Hey there, oozes and slimes. Welcome to another episode of Campaign Spotlight. I'm Production Master Riley. And I'm Dungeon Inspector Jake. This week, we're chatting with Jake, no relation, who's an experienced DM with some great stories. In this episode, we'll be talking about building a meaningful, long-term campaign experience with your players over many years. This is definitely something that's been on my mind as some of my long-term players have moved away, and I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Check out the show notes for this episode for links to the animated cutscenes Jake describes. Let's roll initiative. We open on a slowly spinning orb, mostly blue with some green and brown on top. It doesn't look like much, but upon closer inspection you'll recognize it as the planet Eos, a vibrant and chaotic world at the center of all life in the realmscape. Across the planet, Walled city-states have slowly transformed into sprawling urban nations, each its own mystical metropolis carved into the face of a world that has been destroyed and rebuilt more times than any historian can recall. In a magical society where apocalyptic 10th level spells get narrowly thwarted on time each year, it was only a matter of time before someone finally figured out how to actually destroy the world with magic. By commoditizing it. The year is 1395, in the Age of Discovery. And though sword and sorcery still holds a powerful sway over this planet's destiny, a new era of history built on gunsmoke and graphical interface has begun to dawn. Gone are the days of adventurers swapping potions for sending stones. These days, young people only care about swapping party drugs for eye stones. Much of this progress has been spurred on by Grax Althor, the world's first multinational corporation, whose CEO, Ganymede Brax, promises to help create a safer world with his monopoly of Magitech. His inventions have brought the wonders of electricity and plumbing to cities across the world, even out to cramped tenement houses and back alleys in the slums. But amidst all that wonder, with each passing day, ancient wizard towers are knocked down to make way for glass skyscrapers designed by elves and built by giants. Family businesses like Fletcher's and Fruit Stands go under when faced with the convenient comforts of conspicuous consumption provided by Draco's department store. For all the advances society has made during this age of discovery, the divide between the haves and have-nots still festers beneath the surface, a wound unhealing older than time itself. Despite all this rapid development, there are still places where people can seek a fresh start, Far off in the outlands of eastern Eldura, a nation of drow men has risen up from the living hell of the Underdark, freeing themselves from the oppression of the Gothic Dominion and their tyrannical matriarchy. This nation of free men has fallen under the banner of a shadowy figure known only through whispers as Daddy. Using the ancient magic of the Black Moon of Aram, he promises them a new world of ultimate freedom. Further south in the outlands lies a small city, lifted up from the ashes and rebuilt by a community of nomadic tiefling families. Even nestled in a wasteland of barren hills, this city of Nomford bustles with life and activity. For all the unforgiving harshness around them, the people of Nomford, whether they be lawmen or outlaws, seek to lift one another up to a place of prosperity, one that can be shared for the common good. For good or ill, 
A city once known as a den of thieves has become a place where no matter the circumstances of one's birth or one's life, you are treated as an equal. Hidden away in the slums of Old Nomford, the soft glow of lights tangles with the din of far-off chatter spreading through the nearby alleyways. As you follow this siren call of activity, past the drifters and the drug dealers, you eventually find its source. This rickety old saloon has been sitting empty until just a few months ago, but now serves as the beating heart of a brand new community. As you approach the swinging saloon doors, you are overwhelmed by the scent of exotically seasoned, family-style Tex-Mex food. Only for the piercing scent of fresh-squeezed lime juice to draw your sight to the round of margaritas sitting atop the bar in the back. This bar is backlit by the otherworldly neon glow of the massive sign bearing this establishment's name. Tabitha Zilton's Fajita Roundup. Turning back around, you take in your surroundings for the first time. Catfolk, merfolk, birdmen, dark elves, and goblins. People from all walks of life gathering together for something more than just a stiff drink and a fresh churro. Most of them are friends, a few of them lovers, and some are even once sworn enemies, until the arcane forces of time and understanding wove together their broken bonds once more. The proprietor of this establishment, Miss Tabitha Zilton herself, finishes pouring the latest rounds of Margs and walks around the bar to serve her companions. Two black blurs whoosh past you in tandem as Munis Whiskerly and October Tengu dash to their drinks before anyone else. The pair of chaotic charlatans pressed in caviar and suplex hammerthorn rudely push you out of the way to get their drinks, noses freshly powdered. Finally, the last drink floats magically off the tray, into the air, past you down the aisle, into the dramatically outstretched hands of Rolo Vrin. The dashing shadow sorcerer has made quite a name for himself opening the Vrin Academy of Mystical Arts just up the street. But after a long day of shaping young minds, a night of taproom therapy with his pals is exactly what he'd hoped for. You're probably asking yourself, Shouldn't they be working on a plan to defeat this dreaded daddy? Or confronting the specters of their dark and traumatic backstories? Surely there must be a loot-filled dungeon nearby in need of clearing, right? Maybe. But as these six friends gather around the bar, a small crowd of chattering activity begins to swell around them. Friends of friends share a quick joke, while others talk through the never-ending struggles of a life lived on the fringes of normalcy. So sure, one day they might actually decide to get up off their asses and save the world. Hell, maybe they'll save the whole damn universe if they have the time. But until then, they'll be here living life in the moment, surrounded by the people they love. Who are these people? They are the Monster Bros. Welcome to Campaign Spotlight. Do you mind introducing yourself and telling us uh, how you got into tabletop games? Uh, yeah. Uh, so thank you for having me, first of all. My name is Jake Sullivan. Uh, I live in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I'm originally from the city of Philadelphia, which comes up, just like all people from there, it comes up a lot in uh, everything. Uh, but yeah, um, my experience with tabletop games, you know, I, I feel like 
uh, aside from tabletop, I think when I was uh, a younger kid, I obviously loved like Final Fantasy and, you know, a very like video game RPG kind of a background. Uh, so in high school, a friend of mine invited me uh, to come to uh, her brother's, uh, you know, this new campaign that he was uh, starting. Uh, it was my friend Harley and uh, her brother. Our DM was Rafe. Shout out. Shout out to them. Uh, <laughs> um but yeah, it was really cool. Like their dad uh, played D and D, and like another player, Nate, uh, on our team, like his dad played in that same. It was like a decades long campaign. Uh, so like you know they ha always had like all the old books, uh, and so like our you know our game had like uh, all these very like sort of old school like A D and D, and like I, I I to this day I tried to message him on Instagram, but I don't know if he's checked his DMs in a while. Uh, I was hoping I would know, but like I, I think actually uh, the system we were using wasn't even D and D. I think it was like a homebrew kind of a thing that he uh, had put together. Like we used all like D tens. It was I like I wish I want to run a game of it uh, so bad uh, at some point. Uh, but yeah, it was just like I mean it was kind of like your classical D and D thing. We would play for like four or five hours on a Saturday. Cheetos, Mountain Dew. Uh, I, I cannot remember the first name, the, uh, the name of my first character. He was an angel man, uh, who died of dick related injuries. Uh, but he was eventually replaced, uh, by a werefox rogue named Ziggy, uh, who, uh, I was constantly followed by my, uh, giant fire ant companion, Aunt Gertrude. Uh, and you know, she, it, the cliffhanger that our campaign, uh, high school campaign ended on, I lost Gertrude to the void, and it has affected me emotionally to this day. Uh, so, you know, it was just, like, a really, like, very full, uh, like, totally, like, you know, the sort of stuff that they try to capture on, like, Stranger Things and whatnot, like, you know, where it's just murder hobos and everybody's dying, like, people are turning giant, things are lighting on fire, um, you know. There's a lot of, like, we had, like, worlds that were you know, based on, like, Final Fantasy VI and Castlevania. Uh, it was just, like, you know... I, I think that, as you'll probably see, as I explain mine, uh, I definitely bring a lot of that style where it's, like, you know, I do love to sort of, like, a harsh, weird, emotional edge to something that is kind of based in extremely, like, goofy and lighthearted things. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm forever grateful to uh, the Falcoffs. Uh, Harley and Ray for introducing me to that. That was in high school. Uh, and then once high school ended, you know, everybody goes away. I did not play D&D, &D, like, at all in the in-between uh, until I moved here to Portland, like, seven or eight years ago. I think it was, like, in 2014. Uh, but one of my friends here, Lonnie, saw a meme about D&D, &D and he's like, we should play. And I was like, I know D&D. &D. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, it was... Uh, very, very ambitious of me. Glad I did. Oh, and we played uh, sort of a campaign in D&D uh, 3.5 uh, with a lot of insane homebrew. I was just like, you know, I my friend Jackson's character, uh, Grack, uh, was a druid and had reincarnate. And of course, I'm like, I want to kill people so that I can see what reincarnate does. So, like, everybody got a reincarnation eventually. Uh, you know, it was... Total murder hobo mayhem. There was time travel. Uh, but, you know, that uh, and the campaign that we played after that, it was sort of two separate campaigns with different, uh, the same players but different characters. Uh, but that was across like three years, uh, sort of all formed the basis 
of like the story and like all the world that I've put into my current campaign, which started like four years ago. But anyway, that's my that's my long character backstory that I've just woven for you. I, I love this, and I realize it's kind of off-topic, so I'm not going to ask about how the angel man died of dick-related injuries. But <laughs> oh, I, we I, can I, circle back. We can okay. circle back. Well, yeah. if we have time at the end, let's uh, let's circle back on the angel man's dick. Um, uh, and also, oh, you are not the only guest this season from Philly, and you are oh. also not the only guest to mention right up top. So I'm from Philadelphia. Yes, that's what we do. It's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah, when Mayor of Easttown came out, I was just like, it's any excuse to be like, wow. Uh, but yeah. Right, I mean, most of us had only seen, like, there's a documentary about running a bar there. Uh, and that's most <laughs> of our exposure to yeah, it, I think. Exactly. And, you know, I, like, I bring a lot of that to my, like, uh, the Fajita Roundup bar that I mentioned in my thing is, uh, like, uh, obviously based off of the Stevie Nicks Fajita Roundup SNL skit joke. Uh, I, I won't bother you with that long strand, but... Uh, you know, it's funny the way that, like, now that our adventures start, uh, like, they, a lot of them start very much like in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode, where they're all st- they're all at the bar getting drunk and wasted, and someone slams in the door like, anyway, guys, we got an adventure. Uh, so, you know, I, I think not just my past back home with tabletop gaming, but just, like, the, the spirit of being a loud and weird and chaotic Philadelphian uh, definitely is suffused through everything I've done in D&D. It really sounds like it from your intro. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this campaign and, you know, what what happens after someone bursts into the fajita roundup with a, a plot <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, this one definitely because uh, one thing that's different from, like, my older campaigns and, like, the one I first started in is, like, you know, Back in the day, like, I, you know, it would be four or five hour long sessions, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, everybody, it doesn't matter, pen and paper, like, you're just there all day long. Uh, and, you know, when you were a kid, that was so easy. When I was in my mid-twenties, you know, we, we would, like, go out, party, go to the club, and then, like, be hungover inside one of our friends' house all day. So it was like, why don't we just, like, angrily pay D&D for, like, five hours? Uh, you know, I had a lot more time, and everybody had a lot more attention to do it. Uh you know, something that I try to do now uh, when someone, like, is new to the game is, like, really, like, streamline the experience. Uh, I tend to be, like, very hands-on. Uh, you know, it's very it's a hard balance because you don't want to be controlling and you want to make sure people have agency. Uh, but, you know, I <clears throat> I do I do a lot of prep for, for newer players, and this was something that, like, you know, for this campaign, uh, I wanted to have, like, really, like, full characters... Uh, so that people could have, like, the experience of, like, a full character art. Like, not just, you know, they can do murder hobo stuff. They certainly still do. Uh, but, you know, uh, I want them to walk in with an idea of, like, who the, who that character bursting into the feed around up is and, like, what their general intention is. And, like, you know, I can throw five different weird NPCs at them. Uh, and the personality of these characters is, even if it's just a heightened version of themselves, that people are sort of, like, you know... It's a rich enough character dynamic uh, that, like, you know, they know how to react to something. Uh, you know, because, <clears throat> like, I, I think in the past, especially, like, uh, I had a lot of, like, chaotic fun, but there was definitely, like, a dearth of, like, role-playing. There's 
one or two people who wanted to and like would do some of it and then five other people being like I will stab you for that treasure I will stab you for that treasure right um, you don't just want like murder hobos uh, going around out of character you want them to be committed to be living <laughs> those roles yeah c- commit to the bit it's like my my number one slogan it's like you like alright is your character and I have some serial killer characters some uh crack addicted characters yeah so i always should you know it's like there's a lot of people in my friend group who clearly have some things uh going on with them uh <laughs> at least i should say their characters did those things maybe they also did i don't know um but you know another thing that really helped the, is that you know i uh, i don't really play with randos like I, I i'm it's a great way to meet people and like you know i think it brings like a totally different energy to it but you know, my games are really important to me, and it's like a fun story that I build, like, that's supposed to be, like, for making memories. You know, these things, in your imagination, it's, you know, it should be, if I approach these games like I'm, like, making an episode of TV, I'm making, you know, an anime I, like, love. We'll get into all my Naruto-based nonsense later, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, I want, I want it to be able to, like, become, like, a memory that, like, even if, like, we were just, like, blah, 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 like, not being, like, super, like, you know, I love Critical Role, but like, you know, they're actors like, you know, uh, in the moment, like, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, that like the memory of like the choices that they made, like they felt like the choices that they made were honored, whether it was like big scale or like in the moment, uh, you know, and that like it feels like, you know, a piece of themselves is inside of that enough where, you know, it feels like it's something that happened to them. And so, you know, that's why it's this game has been going on for like four, maybe five years now. Uh, with long gaps sometimes, you know, different people have different gaps too because of the nature of things. Uh, but, like, even still, it's like, you know, remember that time? Like, <laughs> remember that time that Preston bought a, uh, an ounce of Zoop and, you know, began selling drugs to people in the street corners when he was supposed to go meet his warlock patron? And it's like, ha, 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 you know. And to see, and like, how those threads now, like, five years later, are still <laughs> drastically in play. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, I think because of the strength of, like, the characters and being able to go in and tell people, it's like, this is what I want. And, like, you know, we'll definitely screw around. We'll definitely joke around. Uh, but, like, you know, I want you to commit to, like, commit to the bit. Like, even if it's all just a funny haha joke, like, play it through to its end. Uh, and so I think, yeah, I mean, back to it's Sunny in Philadelphia, that's, like, uh, the shows like that where it's, like, let's take this, they take this weird little idea and then they just inject themselves into it terribly, like monsters. Uh, And then, you know, by the end of the episode, it's like, well, we did the thing we wanted to do. It seems like several people died. Like, oh, well, and then they move on to the next thing as if nothing, you know, and then the joy of just like in things like that a year later being like, no, actually, here are the consequences of your your actions. Uh, So that one was like many things and this will be a long ramble, but that's kind of the energy very character focused episodic you know if we only get a chance to play three sessions in a row like i want those three sessions to be a little nugget an episode in their mind and then you know when we do six months later play again it's like oh here's something new now and it really sounds like that approach is to stay in this campaign a long time because five years is just an incredible length to be playing with the same people yes uh yeah and you know, people have moved, people go to school. I, I think I learned early on, it's like, anybody who runs games knows, it's like scheduling is the worst thing on planet Earth. Oh my God. 
I, it fills me with so much dread to this day, and I've like I've gotten about as good as a process as I can with these people. Uh, you know, it's like I, my a lot of my crew are uh, gay men and not like just like me, and I just know us. We're late. We're always ten minutes late to everything. <laughs> you know, we've always double scheduling things. Uh, you know, Saturday night. It's like let's do that on Saturday. Like, no, this is not going to happen on a Saturday night. There's a lot of reality that uh, you have to deal with. Uh, and, you know, uh, my second campaign got, like, right up, like, it was, like, really right at the end. Uh, and even though these people are all still my best friends and everything, like, you know, if they were just burnt out, it was just, like, you know, uh, suddenly, like, only one person was ever really available to play. And it was, like, okay, like, this is over. Uh, and that was, like, a hard lesson to learn. Like, I took it, you know, I didn't try not to, like, lash out or anything, but you take things like that personally uh, when they're important to you. And you have to, like, really work through it. Uh, so something, you know, besides all the fantastical story writing stuff, you know, another goal of mine for this was like, I need to be able to, this needs to be like reality tested. Like, you know, some, some friends are a little flakier with scheduling. I love you all, but, uh, you know, a little, just a little harder to nail down. Some people, like I said, they get busy. Uh, but you know, I always go in with this understanding and I say it, it's like, you know, I appreciate the fact that like, you know, we don't always get to play. And we kind of have to hop in and you can't really remember X, Y, and Z thing that happened. But, you know, you guys suspend your disbelief uh, and you're, like, committed in the long run that, like, you know, whenever you can play with me and we get that chance, you know, you're in there. And it's just like, again, it's like you're totally committed. It's like I know who this P Tabitha Zilton and Preston Caviar, like, I know who they are in my head, even if I can't remember you know, the person we're murdering right now. <laughs> like, like, oh, oops, like, we shouldn't have paused there, I guess. Uh, but they'll, it's like, they figure it out. Uh, and, you know, every time it's like, you know, I'm like, how was that guy? Like, oh, sorry, that happened. Like, so overly apologetic. I'm like, Jake, that's the funniest thing on planet Earth. And it's like, you know, very nice the way that, like, people, uh, no matter, like, what's going on in the world, especially through 2020, like, find a way to, like, make you feel appreciated for all the work you put into it. So... It's, you know, that's one of the reasons why it's like, you know, I can take my chance with random people. That's like totally a thing. But like, you know, whew, hard enough to find people in a friend group who can like appreciate you and be committed to things like that. Uh, so that's one of the things why like I, you know, I take that part, like the reality of the situation, the human element uh, very seriously. <clears throat> and it sounds in particular like you've really let people kind of hop in and out based on their availability over the years and, you know, through a, a, a plague and everything that's happened during your campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ironically, the terrible plague that was an awful thing that happened was the best and most successful period of D&D story progression. I got a lot done. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that was, uh, that was a crazy time of transition. That was like when, uh, you know, I've... Uh, this, uh, you know, this six-person team is uh, of like characters are have been mostly split into three separate groups, uh, you know, and playing at totally different times for like different stretches of months. Uh, excuse me, playing at different stretches of times for you know like uh, different periods uh, and uh, you know you have to like sort of you do have to find a way to sort of like. Uh, pull it all together because like it's you know when when you do get to that point where it's like all right like let's mix the teams uh, it does become uh like a double whammy of like okay playing D, D with six people versus three people is harder the balance goes way off my first campaign was like six or seven players you know god bless matthew mercer 
to d- commit to doing that many players for like all those years, logistical nightmare. Like I don't care what anybody says about the way he plays or anything. Like that is ugh, that game is made for three or four people, uh, three or four players at least. Uh, and so you know that was one of the things where it's like, oh, this is this is going so great partially because each each team has three people, and so it's like if one person is available, oh, we got a it's a it's a you know two player, you know, and they get to sort of have like a little buddy cop uh, sort of adventure on their own, uh, you know, and I even. I haven't done them a ton because, like, I feel like you have to have a pretty good idea for them. But, uh, like, one player, I just did, like, a, a one-player adventure while, uh, you know, my friend John, who plays the character October, uh, you know, he was just in college. And, like, we're all we're all in our 30s. But, like, you know, when you're 30 and in college, like, oh, like, bad enough on those in my 20s. So, you know, I kept playing with... Uh, 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 you know, the players of Tabitha and Preston, all, you know, continuing this storyline. And it was like, you're just, you're just in the background. You're doing some other sort of a side mission. We'll figure it out. And then once he had the time, coincidentally, when those other two were hard to schedule, it was like perfect. And we did, it was, you know, I found a little way with, uh, the, I use Foundry Virtual Tabletop, uh, to run my games and especially my distance ones, uh, you know, and I managed to put together like a sort of Metal Gear Solid sneaking mission. He had an NPC buddy, so it was one of those things where it was one player, but like, you know, I'm he's controlling two different characters on this battle map. He's gonna like play as a new character, like, you know, it's finding any way. And it was like he's like these are some of the f- most fun sessions I've ever played, like, and it was like awesome because like number one fear, it's like oh one per- two people hanging out on the Zoom call, and like one of them's like reading a soliloquy and the other person's bored out of their mind like Uh, so it was one of those things where it's like you know i could have just been like well sorry you can't play you'll catch up with us later uh but you know instead using putting a little more effort into it uh was able to instead like it's like all right here's what you're gonna do and you're gonna help this story in this way i didn't think before uh you know and that's another way that i like to try and like you know, the story is supposed to be sort of this changing thing where I don't really know how it ends. And like, you know, they the choices that the players make have to like affect it. Uh, and there's obvious stuff for like, I did kill the king or I saved the king. Uh, but I like how, you know, I'm a big David Lynch fan. I love like, you know, big Evangelion fan. I love when like the circumstances of real life sort of shift the narrative of a story. Uh, and, you know, there's all these things that have happened now from that a sort of three-session, one-player game uh, that just because, you know, he was too busy to play originally, uh, there's just these cool new elements that have, like, spawned out of that. Uh, so it's, like, trying to find, you know, it's, like, not think, like, it's important to, like, not think in the box of, like, four players sitting around a table and we're there for five hours. Like, you know, if I can get two people there for two hours or even one person for one hour, uh, it'll take a little bit of elbow grease and thinking. Uh, but, you know, I bet we can figure something out that's fun. Can you give some examples of how these kind of smaller subgroup sessions spilled over into the broader campaign? Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, <clears throat> what it was uh, first was that I didn't even think of like the, you know, originally it was really just three people playing. There was, I had uh, some friends in San Francisco, my friends back home uh, in Philadelphia, and it was all my Portland friends were just burnt out from the last campaign. So it's like, all right, not going to, you know, bang my head against the wall, give them a break. Uh, so like, let me just find some new people. So it was really, I was just like sort of cobbling together still people I knew and was friends with, but I'm like, you would probably get along people who didn't know each other, uh, with some like slight exceptions. Uh, 
And so, you know, uh, basically the first three-person team, my friend Aurora, who plays Tabitha, my friend June, who plays uh, Preston Caviar, and my friend uh, John, who plays October Tango, uh, you know, the, the three of them, you know, were mostly just, it was very, like, you know, I didn't want to write out too much at first. Like, so it's like, let's go on a zany little adventure here and a zany little adventure there. And we'll, you know, you're going to write your backstory for me, but let's play, you know. So it's like, go to the Goblin Compound. Nothing terribly high concept. Uh, a lot of abandoned story threads because I'm like, all right, we don't need this anymore. <laughs> like, you guys don't even remember what happened last session. You won't, you won't know. Uh <clears throat> but uh, eventually, you know, as uh, one of the core things that happened there was that uh, my friend Aurora, uh, as you know, I built, I tried to build these stories and like have it be a collaborative writing experience, even if we're not playing. And so we're like coming up with ideas. I'm like, where is Tabitha, this drow from? Like she could be live, you know, drow live underground and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or they could be on the surface. She's like, I think I would like them underground. And my roommate, uh, Daniel, who was part of that older group, had a one time, he was made for like a one shot for an older group that he wasn't in, uh, but it was a dark elf named Rolo, uh, a really cool character. You know, Daniel's the only person from that old group still like really wanting to play. And I'm like, well, you could be like, do you want to be from the same place as, you know, roommate Daniel's character? She's like, sure, whatever. Like, that sounds fun. And we worked out like a sort of a vague uh, like description of their relationship. And then it was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm like, well, do you know, one of these days, like, you know, I'll get Daniel in on this. So I'm like, let me put this little mention and this little mention of him in there uh, with just the intention, like, oh, I'll make a little guest appearance. Uh, you know, it, what ended up happening was just like with the scheduling of people across the East and West Coast is like, that group is like so awesome and so committed every time they get together. Scheduling is a nightmare. Uh you know, and so there was this large sort of gap where I'm like, you know what? Like, they're not doing that. Like, why? Rather than just like, again, banging my head against the wall, let me try out some people here locally. Uh, and, you know, I'll just run some home games. And, like, if I like these people and their characters, I'll, like, have a little second team. Uh, and so, you know, through two different groups, uh, each one had a, a player. Uh, there was, so that one is my uh, good friend Daniel as Rolo. Uh, my friend Brad as Suplex, uh, and then my friend Mason as Munis. Uh, sort of out of the ashes uh, of, like, two different groups that, like, fell apart. And, like, you know, uh, not to spill any drama, but, like, wasn't nothing with me too much. But some of it was a little dramatic. Who's, you know, I was like, oh, no. Like, will this person want to play again? It's like, oh, great. We just, we just moved past that. You like this. This is enough to deal with someone being too drunk at a D&D game. Uh <clears throat> Uh, and so, you know, it was one of those things where, again, like, it was kind of, like, messy start. It was a, a lot of, like, tangled, a lot of, like, disconnected things. And, you know, but it was, uh, even though I wanted these very, like, fleshed out characters, I wasn't going to try and make it, like, all right, you got to give me, like, a five-page essay because people are going to be, like, checkouts. Like, I came here to make TV jokes in your fantasy game. Uh, but, you know, we would just sort of, like, have conversations. Like, that was funny. Like, it, like what do you think that means about Tabitha? Like, what do you think they thought about that? Uh, and sort of work backwards. And then, you know, I, I don't mind writing out ridiculously long strings of prose. So usually I take, like, I'm, like, I get a list of ideas. I'm, like, does this sound like a good thing, you know, idea of your character? Like, yep, I write it out for them in a tale, sort of give them final approval. Uh, and so pretty much, like, once I had gotten these six people, uh, you know, split up into two teams of like three 
you know, they sort of knew their characters a little intrinsically, just sort of in like the vibe that they want to play them as. We had like a good sort of fleshed out backstories. And that was basically once they were, you know, everybody started, let's say for the sake of simplicity, around like level three to five, because uh, there's early levels. Ew, I don't care. Waste of time. Uh, <clears throat> Oh, sorry, were you going to say something? I don't have anything going on. Oh, no, no. I, I just wanted to make sure I understood. So everyone ended up kind of starting this campaign at the same time almost. They Oh, no, this was a different, like, separate time. So this was, like, its own, like, you know. Uh, so, you know, I said, like, in the in-lore game, like, you know, I sort of had to, like, work out a timeline. Uh, but it was mostly, like, the, the first uh, group, they all started pretty much at the same time. And then the second one was actually sort of, you know, in the background being, like, slowly built. So I was still playing, like, some distance games. And, like, they were still sparsely scheduled enough where it was like, all right, like, hey, you, you from work. Like, you want to play a game of D&D? Like, let's, let's give this a try. Give it, like, a session or two. Uh, you know, it didn't take too long. And then it's like, all right, let me, I'll pull you in. Like, I know this, you know, my roommate Daniel's a cool player. Would you want to try and, you know, sort of just not making any promises uh, you know, and I, cause I also don't want to be the guy like you have to audition for my D and D TV show. It's, unfortunately, it's a little bit of the way I went about it, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I think a big part of it was just like, again, it's like, uh, like people don't, re uh, re think about a lot of first, like the interpersonal stuff that comes with this game. Cause it's like, there's a huge difference in the amount of work. Like, I don't care how active your players are. I don't care. Like DM is always going to do more work. Uh, and, you know, you really have to, it's like, you know, if you're running out of a book and you're like, you know, oh, this is like, if someone's being screwy, it's not like they're ruining my grandmaster plan. Like, cool. But it's like, you know, this campaign, my other two ones before this started on a book. And even still with all that, it's like, you know, when the, uh, when the second one sort of ended with a whiff, it was like devastating. Oh my goodness. So it was just like, you know, it's like, I play this with my friends. I don't want it to be this weird resentment thing. Like, let's make sure, you know, that I have people that I, you know, with my experience of being like, you know, you will be fun to play with, but like figuring out how to get you to the table or X, Y, Z reason. It's like, hmm, like you're not an all the time player. Like I'll have you in every once in a while, like, or some people like not at all Bye. you're <laughs> you know, bad fit. Uh, so it's, yeah, just like sort of another thing where it was like, I, I, I did rather than everyone starting at the same time, I guess I took a little more time with it. I feel like I got lucky with the first three and then the next ones was kind of like, okay, like, let's just see. And it was awesome. These were all, you know, again, people from Portland, but from different parts of my life. And, you know, now they're all like good friends. Like they have no real reason outside of me to hang out together. And like, they like, you know, it's real friendships have like sprung up from it. Uh, and so, yeah, it made, it did make like writing the story like, ooh, how do I advance the story while I'm still figuring it out? Like, ooh, like, but, you know, it's all make-believe in your head. So you can just be like, whatever, pretend this happened beforehand. Like, you know, it's, again, just asking people to buy in and suspend disbelief, which is an important part of anything. It's like, I'm doing something crazy here. I'd love to hear more about how you kind of get people into the story and get that buy-in even when things happen that they weren't there for because it really does feel like a big part of the implicit contract in D&D is that you get to see all the important stuff happening and in these games inevitably important stuff is happening that someone else caused exactly uh you know 
one thing that that's nice is that uh you know I, I guess a hard part of that is like in the beginning especially when things are disconnected it's it's a it's harder because uh you know uh there are the real life uh, relations that some people have, and like you know, so my friend that knew uh, on the one team that knew Daniel, like any time, oh, the little rollover in reference came up, like a little Daniel reference. It was like, oh, like and he knew, but like other people are like, oh, what? Uh, but in the time since, there's actually been, you know, there were a few smaller crossovers, like with travel, like when I would go back home to Philadelphia, you know, it's like let's try and make, you know, we'll do something special because like certain people are here in person. So there would be, like, you know, different, like, crossovers, people coming to Portland. So there would be smaller ones. And then eventually in once <laughs> it was my birthday during 2020 in May. Uh, and so it was like, all right, like, let's, you know, I was still on Roll20 at that point. I was like, you know, my main, my main hesitance was, like, I don't feel like teaching my local players how to use Roll20. Like, uh, no offense, Roll20. Uh, but... Uh, once I finally got them together and it was like, you know, cause it had been going for like at least a year, a year and a half before there was the real, like, uh, you know, big sort of the first big arc ended. Uh, and you know, it was like, let's make it an event. Uh, like a, it was my birthday. So I'm like, you have to be nice about it. Uh, but you know, they knew, like I, I had explained like how it was going to them. Like, yeah, like, you know, so they, they understood. And so once it was like, they got to have like those crazy battles together where it's like, Oh, I've been hearing about your character. Like, you know, we had that little thing, like, you know, being in this, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> it was called the episode was called two of hearts. It was, uh, um, it was sort of this big thing where like the big bad daddy was revealed. He was revealed to be the wizard Cole Rasa, who was like their friend helping them all along. Uh, and so the lead up uh, to that was like the last sort of separate games they played. Uh, you know, I had a lot of like sort of, buried and nested reveals to sort of like, you know, make them think like I revealed that one person was Tabitha's, you know, previously thought as like dead husband who's been helping daddy. And she was like, Oh, this character has been chasing us. I was like, did you guys were surprised by that? They're like, kind of like we knew. And I was like, uh, and I, it was obvious from the start. Uh, so I was like, Oh, boo hoo. Uh, and then, you know, finally getting into the chamber and they're like, because they're going there to save poor Cole Rasa. Never at any point, this is one of the great things about, like, if you're afraid people will guess you're surprised in D&D. Inexplicably, another drow just following them around never once questioned, like, hmm, like, why is this guy here? I'm not really supposed to be here. Just, you know, and he's, you know, ends up basically uh, killing, you know, murdering Tapitha, ripping her heart out, uh, you know, so that they had to, like, <laughs> you know, it, they then there's, like, a whole resurrection thing they had to do, a bunch of other stuff, you know, steals her sword. Uh, um, and then, you know, on the other end, there was a Rolo, uh, uh, and Suplex were, uh, starting a school, uh, in an old house that they were given. It was a real, real party school. So they were having a house party, uh, and basically they wanted to have a house party. And so I just had, you know, I put a few sort of more things into like, you know, uh, help like a little like hidden things nested in there that I was going to bring back in later to really emotionally devastate people. But it's mostly like, it's just a fun little house party. And then all of a sudden, you know, daddy's here, reveals himself, you know, uh, this huge thread from Rolo's past where he had this brother that he thought was dead his whole life and caused this like awful life for him uh, that he's trying to sort of escape from. Like, turns out he's alive and now like daddy has him. So it's like, ah, you know, it's like one person I have to steal their sword. The other person I have to steal their long lost brother. Different priorities. Uh, but you know, with those two things sort of set up, I was like, all right, it's like, you guys are in the same town, the same time. It's like, 
you know, Tabitha's like strolling around town with a crazy chest wound and like, you know, like you're walking from the ashes of your ruined house party. Uh, and it was like, all right, like, let's do this thing. They, you know, the sort of appointed place, they went to it. Uh, that one, because I knew I was now working with a group of like five to six people, you know, it's took place across five sessions. Uh, so there was like, you know, a few, I made sure for the most important ones. I'm like, all right, if you need to miss like this one and this one, you, I'm like this particular person, you can miss it. I was like, the rest of you have to be here. And it was just like, you know, they like knew it's like, all right, this is not going to be some like half thing, like where we just like get through it with two people. Uh, but you know, I made sure that it was very fast paced. It was a little more maybe railroaded. Some people might say I'm always very insecure about whether I'm railroading people, but you know, I try to let people know. I'm like, this is going to be pretty straightforward. I still want you to make decisions in the moment, but just know it's like you're not going to have like, and see, here you are in the village. What do you want to do? There's a grandma on the corner of the street. Like, you know, that's probably you're not going to have a chance to do that. So, um, you know, these are split second sort of choices that you should be thinking about. Uh, and, you know, it just, there's a few different ideas. I'll probably get more into them later, but like, you know, some very fast paced skill challenges. Uh, you know, two-part boss battles, uh, you know, taking people, uh, basically at the end of this one, you know, uh, you know, with the great villain Daddy revealed as their friend, you know, this experiment that he's been doing on uh, Tabitha and Rolo's, Rolo's lineage this whole time, like, you know, he will be my vessel for great power, that sort of a deal, uh, you know, <clears throat> basically uh, caused the end of the universe. He sort of messed with a power inside Rolo that was, uh, you know, a little bit too, a little more than he, like, knew, like, that he had messed with. Uh, and, uh, you know, basically ripped a, a black hole in the center of the universe that was caused by, you know, enormous grief. I had a grief skill challenge in the middle of the battle. Uh, that was great. And everybody, I had, like, people crying. You know, it was just, like, a totally hopeless battle you know, where it's like, oh, and I told them before, I'm like, I'm going to kill all of you. Like, don't think that this is a fun thing where like, oh, he fell unconscious and got back up. Uh, you know, after like, you know, the whole universe goes to white. I had to, just like the little intro I did there. I, I mean, I had written out like the description of the entire universe. Like, you know, I knew that basically it's like, like you guys aren't getting out of this. Uh, but, uh, you know. The sort of story after that, like, picking up on, like, a thread from Suplex's thing where, you know, time travel is, like, the worst thing you can introduce into uh, into role-playing games because it's just, like, oh, <laughs> it's almost never a satisfying thing when you have it as, like, a regular mechanic. Uh, and then when you do just use it as a story thing, as I know from my first campaign, it's, like, there's a lot of funny stuff that you can do, but it just becomes, like, ridiculous to reconcile. Uh, but, you know, there was... Uh, uh, there was this little element of like he's a divination wizard, sort of time travely things in his past. It was, uh, you know, I basically played into like giving him like one chance. It's like, oh, you're at the edge of reality, uh, like you know, you're the at the like center of like this black hole thing, and like you were sort of saved in this little pocket. Like, all right, like you're a disgusting drunk thirteen year old goblin. Looks like you're the last chance. Like you know, and basically gave like this one i mean everyone there i was like you're all still dead i was like so you have to see if this works uh and did a skill challenge for like you know going through his own past to sort of like go back uh and sort of like stop what happened uh you know just this very emotional thing where everyone's like we're back together again and fucking like you know it was like so obviously like the last boss battle and that created like an instant like 
bond and foundation for the rest of it. So the whole time leading up to this arc, they didn't know what was happening with the other team. They just kind of knew that when the two parties got together, there would be high stakes, but they didn't necessarily know they'd be this high. There would be certain things like, you know, there were certain things that would happen in the background, like uh, early on when uh, I sort of got the, the Rolo team together for the first time. Uh, you know, I was like, I wanted to be like sort of a fun thing, like, because it was like, all right, the first official outing. Uh, and, you know, basically, it ended up with them disintegrating through. I, I was like, I tried to have all these little backups. I'm like, I'm going to have like the patriarch of this evil, you know, uh, sort of drow nation like show up and they'll be like, ha ha ha. There'll be a big fight and then I'll leave. He's got 98 ways to teleport. Like, it'll be fine. Legendary resistance. Uh, and I'm going through it. He's getting, he's like down to like 76 health. I'm like, ooh, I should be careful. Uh, Rolo, for circumstances we won't bother to get into, was a level uh, 11 character starting out. <laughs> he was from an earlier campaign. Eh, it was crazy balancing those fights for a while. But it was interesting because you have a level 5 goblin and a level 11 sorcerer. And they still made it through. Uh, the sorcerer almost died uh, more than the five level 5 goblin. It was great. Uh, <clears throat> but he ended up disintegrating him. And I was like, I, you know, they, they worked together to where I was like, I disintegrated I'm like, oh, well, I passed my dexterity saving throw. Too bad. The divination wizard uses his portent. And I'm like, what? He's like, I make it, he had like a two. He's like, I make it a two. I'm like, oh, it failed. I'm like, well, whatever. I've got a legendary resistance. I did not. I gave him two instead of three. And it was one of those times where I had to make a decision. I'm like, I'm like, I don't remember what I intended to do with this. I was like, but on this stat sheet, it says he is zero out of two. I'm like, I could fudge this. I was like, or I could just give it to them. And I was like, they like totally work together to like zing me back and forth with like divination disintegration, like combo attack. I'm like. I gotta give it to him, like, you know, uh, and so they, you know, within the first official battle, the, like, king of this nation they're supposed to be going against, you know, even with this shadowy other figure, like, behind him pulling the strings, they just got turned to dust, I'm like, oh, no, uh, and so from that point, you know, the next team did not necessarily see, like, uh, like, oh, they didn't, like, I think I made, there was, like, hear ye, hear ye, like, you know, I would make mentions of, like, news and stuff like that, because it'd be big events, uh, but what happened to that was just that, like, I was like, okay, we're going to have this, like, slow simmering build-up to war. It's like, well, now it's, like, just going to get all pulled together. That's why it was like, all right, basically, the big bad behind him is like, well, I've got to speed up my plan. Uh, and that's why I totally killed Tabitha. So she, she didn't know. It's like, well, you know, them sort of escalating this war thing uh, has now caused this thing where it's like, you know, you're just like the last adventure they played was like them larking around like drinking margaritas and doing drugs and then like the next one's like oh the old man friend that you have is lost in a cave like you should go help him and i'm like murdering her like we hadn't even played in like eight months it was totally out of left field but they loved it uh but yeah it was just this like sort of figuring out what those unintended consequences are and then there was also other like you know this escalation of war uh, like in that same one where it was like okay you know, the major city that, like, you guys usually go into, like, we're going full, like, you know, we're getting besieged by this grand patriarchy, like, you know, there's all these sort of unintended ones that they don't necessarily, like, know were from that, uh, versus, like, some other stuff where, like, you know, I, uh, certainly with, like, 
Suplex's character and a lot of those sort of time travel whoozy what's it's that went on there. It was like, you know, those were at least a little clearer to be like, oh, if I hadn't done that or I hadn't done that, like, you know. So it differs depending on what it is. But uh, I think at this point, enough thing is it's pretty clear in the sort of like grand picture of stuff, uh, like where things have sort of led, I hope. And when the players from like the different parties get to interact with each other, do they treat each other as fully fledged PCs or is there a little more sense of, oh, these are almost NPCs. I don't have a bond with them. They're maybe a little more expendable. Oh no, nothing like that at all. It's great. It's like so great how like people like, and you know, some characters are very like rascally and do like crazy things that are like, you know, very, a lot of ethical gray areas, uh, as, as always. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's what's nice is, like, um, something that I've also tried to do is, like, since the sort of groups have combined, like, they have these things like the bar and the school that are these hubs. Uh, and so now there's sort of all this sort of implied relationship that they have where it's, like, even if they haven't gone on a ton of adventures yet, it's, like, well, you guys are all hanging out at the Fijita Roundup. So you maybe not have, like, you know, gone out and killed a wizard with this guy, but, like, you know, you're friends with his friends and you go get drinks and, like, you know... Uh, and so there's, there's really like two combinations of like two people that haven't, like they've played together, but they haven't had like a sort of a, a small group like experience with yet. Um, and yet like, you know, even it's like we, especially because like we have stuff like group chats and whatnot, there is sort of this, like a little bit of a meta crossover and, you know, people always talk about metagaming as if it's like the worst thing on the planet. Like I actually think with like relational stuff, like, you know, it's pretty great the way that it informs it and like the way that things are different, uh, you know, uh, blow up their spot a little bit, but uh, yeah, Tabitha and Preston's uh, players, they're like my childhood friends from high school. They used to date uh, and, you know, they are like obviously still friends and like have had a great dynamic for that sort of thing, but like things like that, like I, it's so obvious in the little piece of them that they bring to these characters, like where that dynamic sort of like, that sort of like rolling eye disapproval of like, you know, Preston's like, you know, wild antics. It's like, I've seen that before, you know, uh, and always in good fun, you know, and nobody's like, not that people don't, you know, com they don't get competitive. They definitely get that thing or like, they want to like, Ooh, I want this to, you know, succeed, you know, I, I like, or, you know, taking failure with like grace where it's like, you know, they, there was a little sort of a, a potential love plot, a sexy orc cowboy that I put in there for Rolo. And I was even like, does Rolo want a boyfriend? I made it very, I was like, I like, I want, there needs to be some romance in here. And like, he rolled like awful, like successive ones and twos. And he's a sorcerer. He is like, he's level like 14 at this point. He's insane charisma and just ones and twos and ones and twos. And it's like, you know, they're joking. Like I'm, I'm trying to flirt and I'm like farting and like, you know, totally juvenile, but like, it was this hilarious, you know, hilarious thing of like, well, that, you know, and it's like, well, I got to go with the roles. He's like, cool. Yeah, you guys are great, I guess. Like, you know, and he is still has his role in the story. But like that romance part is pretty done. Uh, but then that opened literally like later in that uh, episode, there was a different, you know, a sort of sexy Russian angel man, different angel man. He's not dead of dick issues. Uh, and Mikhail, Misha. And uh, like all of a sudden, he's you know like Rolo's like I really like Misha like ooh ooh and I'm like you know 
I like I was absolutely was not considering this, but like to, like new crush Misha, and it's like you know I we haven't gotten too much other than some little like you know barroom flirting between Misha and Rolo, but like we all we all know what it's gonna be, and I, like you know the ideas that have come out of that, I'm like oh like this is so much better than the sexy orc cowboy man, like you know I like there's plenty of sexy orcs out there, uh you know, but this is like it was just one of those great things of like natural ones and like terrible fart jokes uh and like you know i have a million things planned for this like you know out of those ashes those stinky ashes uh has risen like a way better like pairing uh you know just based off of again like my player's choice and their wants and you know not being afraid to like you know yeah like we try to keep the real like decisions like in the game but like oh like tell me your ideas guys like i go through and i check with people frequently i'm like what did you like what didn't you like? What do you want to see more of? And that's like, you know, another thing, like when people get afraid that like, they're going to take my story totally off path. If you ask people what they want, and then, you know, without making it too obvious, you give it to them, like, you know, keep a little element of surprise in there so they don't see it coming. But like, you know, people won't like generally be too crazy about being like, no, I actually killed that grandma. Uh, I will say that R Rolo did stab Suplex's mom, Zolda, uh, after they freed her from jail. And that was a little bit of a weird moment. But we figured, that was, we, <laughs> the next game, it was like, well, I have to hate Rolo now because you stabbed my mom I just freed from jail. And I was like, before the next game we played, I'm like, all right, let, I don't want to tell anybody what to do, but we have to resolve the mom stabbing. I was like, because I don't know how we got to the mom stabbing. And Daniel was like, I also don't know how I got to the mom stabbing. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, it was like, there's still, this was during the, the attack, and it's, there's, like, bombs and everything blowing up. It's like, sorry I stabbed your mom. It's like, okay. And we moved on. It's, you know, another one of those great, like, sort of cross-meta and reality things where it's like, you know, if we just can suspend disbelief and be, be nice to each other, like, you know, who cares what happens? Like, all the different sort of, like, I don't know how to deal with this. It's like, everyone will just be like, we don't care, and you'll just move right on. It's great. It's the easiest. This is such a wildly different philosophy than some of the people we've talked to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot to juggle, and it's like, I love my friends, and it's, uh, you know, I know that I, in my own way, can be so very one-minded about this, obviously. Uh, and so, I try to give them uh, a lot of grace, and like, especially like, lately, it's like, oh, this year is like, so overstimulating, and every, it's like, hard to really tell people to like, come, come and spend three hours with me when you just want to like, sit and not process anything uh and so you know it, it's there's a lot of like emotional work that i've done over the years just in my life where it's like you know you really want this thing and you can't take this as a rejection when people aren't around and all you just have to sort of like really go with the flow uh and you know it's chaotic that's why it's taking for freaking you know five years it's so long it's like i you know i'm dying to finish this not just to rush it but to like you know get to like the end and i will uh but you know uh i, I would say like you know the the campaign before this where everybody got burnt out that was you know a year and a half length you know they got from like level one to level like 18 i think by the end like most things die out by 10. The first campaign ended at, you know, ended a natural end at, uh, I think they were like level 11. Uh, that one got so far, and I got it in a really good amount of time, but everyone got burnt out and it died out at the end. Uh, so it's like, look what that got me. Uh, so it's definitely one of those things where it's like, you do got to kind of like learn to just deal with like, 
disappointment. Uh, you know, things you'll have all these cool things planned. And like, again, like a, uh, I was uh, talking uh, on our break about sort of a beach house game that I tried to do. Uh, and there was a lot of techno, a lot of my stuff has technology involved now. Uh, and I just didn't think I'm like, Ooh, you know, the beach house upload speeds were not something that I was factoring into my plan when I was testing all this stuff out. And, you know, it was uh, like, you know, I'm going to finish it later. Uh, the thing that didn't happen, but I just had to be like, we can play, like we were already partway through it when these realizations were happening. I'm like, you know, this supposed to be sort of a parallel, like, you know, an eight person group split into like two groups of four, like battling at the same time. And it was like, all right, well, we can have one of the groups do it now. And then when we have time later, we'll just go back and do the other thing. And we'll do the second half. Like, you know, it's either that or like what I, you know, storm around and cry because it's, you know, that is uh, when you follow the Reddits, sometimes that's what people do. I've certainly done it myself a few times. Uh, but yeah, it's. It lends a lot to the longevity of it. It's like, I'm not going to get to this maybe when I want to, but I will get to it. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about the mechanics you use in oh, these yeah. sessions with fewer players. Uh, we are talking earlier uh, offline, and you mentioned something about uh, a dual system. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that one's fun. Uh, so... <clears throat> Basically, uh, you know, one of the things, because I try to make these show, uh, these games like a TV show or like a little sort of a movie or an anime, I always love to say, uh, you know, there's a lot of, like, describing things happening in battle in motion, like, you know, you can describe Magic Missile uh, as crazily as you want, like, when there's, like, three minutes in between the next thing that happens... You know, battle, you know, all this flowery description sort of being truncated over and over again. It's hard to see it as, like, a whole picture. Um, and, you know, these characters are all, like, so crazy and they're so overpowered, which is why I make monstrous NPCs. Uh, the numbers are just definitely not. The bounded accuracy, I think they call that, that's out the window. Uh, so, <clears throat> um but uh, the dual system, uh, in effect, is just really just, I mean, it's basically like the skill, sort of the skill challenge idea. Uh, but this is sort of mainly based, uh, it's supposed to be in the midst of battle, uh, and it's a, a lot of like contested roles. Uh, so, for instance, uh, my most successful use of this was that uh, October Tengu, he's a, uh, he's a monk, an air guardian, uh, sort of a, he has sort of a team avatar uh, sort of uh, thing going on. It's a custom subclass. He's got a lot of Rasengans and Chidoris and whatnot. Uh, but so, you know, you know this was uh, after like our big crossover and I was like, I want to get into like, you know, episodic, like you're like, you get to be the main character now. Like everybody gets to be like the main character. This was October's sort of thing. So I'm like, all right, we got to go, you know. His first, when we were creating his character, he was like, I want to be like One Punch Man. I'm like, I love that. You can't be One Punch Man because then you'll kill everything. That does, It's not going to work. Uh, you know, I was like, so that's how we worked out, you know, a lot of like, he hasn't even seen Naruto. It's, gr it's great because like all of my like little ideas that are just like dumb references seem like, ah, uh, like Jake, you created that. I'm like, not really. Uh, but so this was like, I was like, this has to be the distillation of like overly anime stuff. Uh, so... You know, they're going into this, uh, like, deserted island uh, to sort of, like, you know, they've gathered their team avatar. It's like, finally, we're a full crew, you know, and the uh, the the master shoe is like, we got to go, like, do a thing. I've been hearing about some weird cult stuff, like, let's go investigate. We got to, like, make a name for ourselves. Uh, and then, you know, by the end of that, they're, you know, in this 
underground secret government facility. There's an, you know, the, the map I used was just a, a sort of a isometric, uh, like it was the Evangelion cage for Evangelion unit one, uh, inside of there. And so obviously I didn't call it an Ava. I gave it, what was it? I called it an Imperial Titan. Uh, you know, it's like, because this world is very, like, there's a lot of, you know, modern, like sort of magitech stuff. It's still very high fantasy. Like, uh, you know, it's just people are just like, hey, like, yeah, we do. Like, some people have guns, not everybody, but we still really like swords because they're like, you know, we haven't gotten rid of swords. We still have swords. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, and, you know, of course, anything, uh, time you put something modern in fantasy games and stuff like this, it's like you have to be careful because, you know, like, for instance, having guns as a weapon in D&D, you know. Uh, a gun shooting somebody is like probably does should do way more damage than like a dagger stabbing somebody. But with the way that you have to balance these games, like the the way the numbers need to work out, will never make like a gun feel like it does that. It's like so, how do you get something in there like that other than just being like, here's a really disappointing like low dice. Like this is my Evangelion. It does two d10 damage when it punches you. Like okay. Uh, and so, you know, rather than uh, rather than having it be a battle against that Evangelion, it was the, you know, I worked in a story thread from a previous, that campaign that never finished. I'm like, this is, the t there was an evil team avatar that was the inspiration for me making this for that one. I was like, I, so I, I'm like, let's finally connect this old thing. And so now, you know, this group of supervillains that's been in jail for a while are stealing this robot because we're going to free all my other friends, jerks. Uh, and, you know, we're going to fight on top of this Ava. So it was this thing where, you know, you have all these monks fighting and everybody's doing a lot of flurry of blows. Uh, but basically it was kind of almost like a lair action. You, I, I usually will only do them like maybe once every other round or something like that. But basically, you know, the, the leader of the cult and like, you know, the main character October would clash, uh, and then... Uh, you know, basically just like you would with a skill challenge where it's like, you know, you make a stealth roll. Tell me how you sneak. Uh, I instead open it up to rather like being like, here's, you know, here's all your uh, abilities. You're a lightning monk. Like you have this, this, and this spell that does a very specific thing. We don't care about the rules though. Do you want to do like a hyper lightning punch or you do the, you know, do you want to, if you succeeded with natural twenties on this, do you want to do a one punch man and you explode him on like that? Like, be super imaginative. We're not thinking about resources here. You know, we're just contesting roles. Uh, and so, you know, basically it's just a character. I uh, The way I've uh, done it now is that basically your, like, main melee stat plus a proficiency bonus and then your main, like, magic stat. So, like, uh, dexterity would be his dual melee role and uh, wisdom would be his, like, dual magic role. But it's like, all right, like, you know, so do you want to, like, I want to do a cool punch combo, you know, and that's where we just, just, it doesn't matter how wacky it is, doesn't matter the rules, and at the end, you know, you just tabulate how many successes versus how many failures, and then I, you know, um, uh, I will have sort of an effects thing at the end there. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as just, like, you get advantage on your next thing. Other times there are very, and usually it's both, large story implications as to, like, you know, it's like, did you manage to, like, fight him back enough time? Like, you know, this is Basically, like, something with that big old robot they're stealing is going to change, uh, you know. And it just creates this sort of moment to be, like, really creative and not worry about the rules in battle where, by definition, you have to really, like, crunch those rules. Because, like, 
you know, it's like that's why they made Final Fantasy on a you know Super Nintendo because like oh we can just animate what it looks like the computer does the numbers and you can just imagine it you know but it's like you know obviously you're never really imagining that much with that stuff as much as it has inspired all this uh, so it's a really cool thing people like responded to it like really well it's way more than like a skill challenge of like you're running down the street athletics check <laughs> like how do you run down the street. Uh, you know, they have a lot more cool ideas about how they lightning punch someone or how they, you know, their sword combos. You know, these are people who, like me, have watched a lot of TV, played a lot of video games, uh, and I feel like it's allowed them to make a little bit more of a connection between, like, you know, uh, the, like, really awesome, like, you know, making that anime in your head rather than, like, waiting for someone to make it for you. Uh, and so, yeah. And then the best thing is, is like you get all that sort of like action and story and it's like in two minutes, like, ugh, it's like a two minute thing. Move on. So that's my idea there. First off. Wow. That sounds incredibly <laughs> fun. It uh, went second, a lot of places. <laughs> second off. You mentioned that this comes off as really cinematic. And one other thing that uh, you've told me about your games that sounds very cool is your use of cinematic cutscenes. <laughs> yes, this is uh, this is one of those great examples of me doing too much, uh, but it's really fun, and I've only really recently started doing it. But uh, you know, I so big shout out. I probably maybe even already said it, but I'll say it as many times as I want to. Ryan Hamill, uh, he is uh, a buddy of mine th through making uh, basically been commissioning art line art for uh, you know first like player characters actually first it was just npcs uh because i wanted i wanted these npcs uh to be like really bright and pop like you know it's fun to like have people imagine what the character is but you know i think when i had a very uh like rich idea of who this character is i wanted to really like let him know and like have a you know it's like how people say it's like i'm putting a face to the name uh and uh the art that he has made ryan hamill uh, at ham illustration on Instagram, uh, for me, he's drawn over like a hundred characters for me at this point. Uh, way too generous with his, with his rates with me. I don't like, he, you know, he deserves the world. So don't any of you ask for a discount. <laughs> um, no, uh, but you know, it's all basically have like three characters. It was, I got some, uh, way more, uh, you know, expensive, like big eight by 10 art by, uh, of like Tabitha Preston in October just as like a commemoration because I'd never commissioned anything before. Uh, and, you know, it was just an awesome feeling to see these characters working with, again, the players. Like, give me this idea. Like, every time I do this, I'm like, I need you to work with me on what this is going to look like uh, so that, like, you're in there. Um, and so Ryan Hamill from there, Filibuster Frog was the first artist I worked with, another amazing artist. Uh, but Ryan, by far, has, like, you know... Uh, I think he just understands, like, the feeling of all of these characters, sort of the very cartoonish, uh, very sort of anime-inspired nature of them. Uh, and so, thankfully, I have this huge library of, like, amazing art of, like, the cutest, coolest uh, characters ever. Uh, and, I, you know, I usually just use them for tokens and stuff. And, like, I would show them to the players, like, here's your character. Here's, like, your best bud. And, you know, it, in, uh, you know, it was just great. You know, they're like, this is cool. Uh, you know, I've... Uh, over the course of the pandemic, taught myself a little uh, coding, extremely rudimentary JavaScript, very bad at it. Um, but there is this program called Renpy, R-E-N-P-Y, uh, where using basic Python, uh, you know, it's a freeware uh, piece of software. I was, you know, I, I was just like looking it up. I love, 
Uh, Disgaea is another favorite video game of mine. Their cutscenes are done in visual novel uh, styles. You know, a ton of different RPGs have done that. And like, even with just like a single sprite of a character, you know, through this art that I have from Ryan, uh, like the way that he has drawn it is always like so expressive uh, and like versatile in a weird way. Like the things that I can do just by like inching it around with like very bad coding skills. Um, I've created just these little like cutscenes. Um, what I generally try to use them for, uh, because you know it's important. Like I don't want to uh, be putting like words in my players' mouths as their characters. Um, you know, there are some where maybe it'll be like a dream or a vision. You know, where it's like, oh, you know, like you're just sitting there. You're not gonna say something. Whatever. Uh, you know, it's just another character talking to you. Maybe I'll have that uh, have a player in there. But for the most part, uh, what I've in the game, what I've uh, tried to use them for is like just NPC on NPC interactions, uh, because just sort of like with the real life friend group and everything, it's like the way that people interact now, the way their characters, you know, each character has like a little family, basically. It's like cute, you know, we're all like weird queers and like, you know, we all know the value of a found family and everything like that. And the way that's like reflected in it is awesome. And the way that like, you know, friends of friends like now have like weird, uh, you know, relationships with each other, it's, like, super cute, but when I'm trying to be two NPCs at once talking to each other, playing, like, what did you do? Nothing, how about you? Like, it's weird. There's no good way to do it. Uh, let alone, like, you know, the king, uh, you know, the knights of the round table, I've got 12 people having a conversation, like, oh, no. Uh, and so basically what this visual, soft, uh, visual novel software lets me do is... Um, you know, take two NPCs and let them have, like, a really, like, rich conversation with each other. You know, try to make it really zany and goofy and funny. Uh, you know, I've tried to, not so much in the literal voice that I do for the characters, though uh, some of them I have some pretty great voices. Uh, but, like, the, you know, just the way that they talk and the way they speak, I try to make pretty distinct characters. And so even without voice acting over these uh, visual novel cutscenes... Uh, you know, I found so far, it's like, you know, I've been able to really, like, capture the essence of this character, you know, work out some more, like, long-form, uh, like, ideas of, like, their thoughts and feelings, uh, and sort of, uh, you know, set up, uh, you know, adventures. Usually what I'll do them, uh, use them for so far is introductions. Uh, so, for instance, uh, Suplex will pretty soon be starting an adventure where they have to go back to his home country to get, you know his mom, Zolda, and her sister that they sort of picked up recently. Uh, so Zelda survived the stabbing? She did, so yeah, Zolda survived Good. the stabbing, and then to make up for it, uh, Rolo hired her as the, the headmistress of the Vryn Academy of Mystical Arts. So, you know, she got a paying job out of it. She loves to, Zolda's the weird voice. I have this weird wizard woman voice, and I do it too much. I'm so sorry. Uh... But I talk to myself in that voice so much now. It's in, She's unfortunately the best NPC I've ever created, and I've become her in my mind. Uh, but, you know, I, I always try to, like, you know, just as with my players, they try to put a piece of themselves in their characters. I really try to put a piece of myself into each NPC. And, like, another great thing about having all my close friends here is, like, they know me, and they know my personal story and the things in my life that have affected me. And so... Like, you know, the story, you know, basically, that was another time I checked in with Suplex. I'm like, what do you like about your story? He's like, I love Zelda. I want more Zelda. So I'm like, cool. You know, I'm like, all right, time to make a big story for Zelda. She's got, like, two sisters. They've got this awful relationship. Why? 
they were war criminals. You know, they've done, they've killed children. Uh, you know, like they, like I have to come up, uh, came up with all these like details for them. It's like, but now how do I like actually express this? And I've hinted and done stuff like that, but you know, leading somebody into that conversation, you can be like, uh, uh let me, you know, telling them what question to ask. Uh, but in this one, instead, I created a scene where it's. Zolda and her sister Ursula, they're at the Fajita Roundup. It's like a faculty party to celebrate, like, the opening of the school, uh, you know, because she's gone and found her, like, estranged sister to, like, hire her as, like, the head of conjuration, you know. And now, rather than just doing a back-and-forth, like, weird conversation, you know, they're getting it, like, Zolda's just trying to be, like, pretend like nothing's wrong, uh, you know, all that stuff that, like, real siblings kind of do mm -hmm. when they're, like, forced together. Uh, you know, and you, there's this pushback, uh, you know, they're still having all these weird quirks of like s slipping in these like jokes. They make a lot of nicknames. Uh, it's like just a lot of like layered stuff in like a four minute interaction, you know, scored to music. Uh, and, you know, at the end of it, like you've learned something about the sisters in their story that they are war criminals. Uh, and now you really like know the like real emotional core of it, which is like, Siblings who, like, had to, you know, clearly had terrible experiences together, um, but, like, clearly, you know, it's, like, uh, have been apart for so long and have, like, their own lives, but have chosen to be around each other, and, like, it's, like, you know, what's going on? Like, you have this idea, certainly from, like, uh, you know, people's own lives who have the experiences like that. It's, like, oh, like, you know, there's, like, crazy, like, love and pain and everything in this uh, in a way that I hope, like, you know reflects like how much I appreciate my players have invested in themselves in it. It's like, I want to match the thought that you put into this and let you know that like a, as much of me is in this as you are. And so it helps with that. That's beautiful. And uh, we will try to find some way to share with listeners, maybe some snippet or even some still from one of these cutscenes. I realized that talking about, you know, visual art on a podcast might not be the best call. <laughs> Jake, yeah. Um, before we start to head towards wrapping up, I would like to understand the dick-based fatal injuries that befell oh. your angel man. <laughs> yes. Oh. So, uh, we were a group of monsters, uh, much like the Monster Bros now, full circle. Uh, so, I was a, a sort of a winged angel man, more like Angel from X-Men, uh, and we were... There was I was imagining big... Angel from Buffy, so actually that's better. Oh, I do. I had a crush on Angel from Buffy until my, I met my stepdad who looks like him. Done. Uh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so Angel Man uh, and Party go up against this massive sort of Final Fantasy demon wall. And clearly, that's the DM saying, like, no, you guys don't go here. Like, go back. And, like, we don't take the hint. We're, like, fighting the giant demon wall. And it was it was one of those things that, and this was after I died. I was one of the many casualties where it was, a, like, a campaign reset. Like, it was, like, you guys get teleported to a white room. And there's a mis cryptic angel woman speaking weird things. And, like, you know, our poor DM had to go over and completely, like, it's, like, all right, these numbskulls. Like, I put too much effort into this, like. You know, a great example of uh, a pain that has been inflicted upon me since. I've paid my dues. Uh, but we were fighting this demon wall, uh, and there were very tenderly sort of mouths, like, reaching off of it to bite me. And in my mind, I had just been, I'd been thinking of them visually as snakes. Uh, and I was like, 
I check for snakes. He's like, what? And I like roll for it. And you know, it's one of those funny haha D and D like you said, you check for snakes. Uh, I rolled like a, I mean, what it was a natural 10 or, you know, the max roll. And of course I found snakes. And so I'm stomping the snakes. I'm killing the snakes. You know, I start rolling natural ones. I do like splits. Uh, the snakes are biting me. I try to get out of it. I roll like another natural run and it's, you know, the, just the junk, it caved in. So I was, I was, gravitationally pulled into the earth dickward uh, while being just, you know, savagely bitten by a swarm of snakes summoned from my mind's eye, basically. Uh, and that was my first D&D character death. It's, in retrospect, it's no wonder that I'm so needlessly elaborate, but, you know, clearly it had a huge effect on me. <laughs> clearly? Uh, okay, well, that's fucking horrifying. Uh, other than the experience of a dear friend narrating you being sucked into hell dick first, what are some, I guess, what is some media that you were consuming or that you were reading or listening to uh, while you were preparing for this current campaign? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's insane. Uh, so I love... I love Naruto so much. I'm shameless Naruto fan. I know it's shown in anime and there's like literally 50% of it is not even needed to understand the story. It's insane. Total filler magnet. Uh, but it hits those emotional notes so hard. So I have homebrew, like story moments totally that I'm just like, that, you know, that I've like, you know, made my own, but like totally plagiarized. Uh, you know, it's, I love it. And I love that show. It's great. Uh, one that I is truly like really my favorite show ever is Evangelion. And aside from literally having a map with it on there, like I tried because I love that show. It like means a lot to me way too much. Uh, I really have avoided trying to put anything overt in there. That was kind of like, this is special. Let me like, I'm just going to put it in there. Um, uh, that's something that just like the idea of like that emotional, like, you know, media and something that like on its surface is like angels and robots fighting, like, but having this huge emotional, insane emotional core to it, uh, you know, that's something that I've tried uh, to really like bring uh, to my games. I have, I can't even, there's too many spoilers. I know people are listening to this. I'm gonna, oh, the intro, oh, I'm gonna get them so bad with my Evangelion stuff. Uh, Mob Psycho 100, another anime. Uh, I think it's like the positive side of like emotion. Uh, like, you know, so the mirror entity of Evangelion, you have to watch that show. Uh, I basically, Rolo has this transformation he goes through. I created a stress system where, like, damage sort of builds up to 100. And then, like, a, you know, transformation happens. It exhausts him. Uh, it is one of the most, like, weird, intricate, uh, like, homebrew I've ever made. And the way that it worked out is, like, so perfect. It, like, it it's just a sort of a random damage thing. And narratively, it always happens when, like, it's needed most. It's amazing. Uh some other quick ones, Trading Places, uh, the movie starring Dan Aykroyd uh, and Eddie Murphy and Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm d still in the middle of a Preston Caviar themed. His whole background is like basically one homage to that. And they're in the undersea city of Ichthadelphia, held within a giant like, you know, jellyfish. And it's all, you know, male prostitution, drugs, crime. You know, it's amazing. Trading Places is the best movie ever, except for the weird blackface part. I'm sorry. Uh, Stevie Nicks Fajita Roundup, that SNL skit. Oh, God, I love it. Uh, and then this is a... I'll, I'll have this be my last one. It's an actual sort of a D&D &D story. I don't know if anyone's mentioned this before, but Tales of an Industrious Rogue. Uh, it's... 
I, I saw it on like a 1D 4chan or something or other. I don't know. I don't go on those websites. But Tales of an Industrious Rogue, you should be able to find it somewhere. It is this guy's recounting of his own campaign. It was a Pathfinder campaign. They're like from Spain, so it's like translated into English. He's like apologizing for his like translation, and it's like the most insane and wild. I'm like, I don't know how I would describe this story in my own language, but uh, I remember reading that and that inspiring me for just sort of the wild, zany left turns that you can, especially when you create things like a bar or a school, or in this case, a mining, a salt mining camp is what in uh, the Industrious Rogue happens. Uh, you know, create like a place for people to gather, uh, you know, uh, the way that the story can just sort of spindle out of control and become something way bigger. It's just amazing. Um, but yeah, Tales of an Industrious Rogue. It's the best. I, I handed that to my players at one point. I was like, read this. So you like, I was like, this is, you know, you don't have to do this stuff. I was like, but this is how I want you to think about that. And it totally changed everything. I absolutely love that. I will. I, I did find a link to it and I will be reading it. There you go. Uh, last thing, uh, you've kind of done this throughout our conversation, which has been incredibly helpful. Are there any resources, tools, artists, anything like that that you just like to shamelessly plug? Oh, heck yeah. Once again, Ryan Hamill, Ham Illustration. He's the best. Uh, there is also uh, Filibuster Frog uh, is another great artist. And then, oh my God, the dearest, the dearest artist uh, Amanda R. Otten. It's spelled on Instagram. It looks like Amanda Rotten, which is hilarious because she's the least rotten person on planet Earth. She's amazing. Uh, to her, she draws a lot of D&D characters. She did. It was sort of a commemorative, like our sort of post-COVID, like you guys are level 12 now. Um, I always like have Ryan design them first and then I'm like here, like draw, like, you know, it's this awesome thing getting to see these characters back like through different artists and, you know, uh, Ryan, uh, Filibuster Frog, Amanda, like they are so amazing. Uh, so, Ham Illustration, Amanda Rotten, <laughs> and Filibuster Frog on Instagram. You should be able to find all of them. Uh, uh, there is Foundry VTT, Virtual Tabletop, that's short for, of course. Uh, this is one thing I'll say if you're a beginner, uh, there are probably other better things for you to start on. Um, but, you know, I'm in a very high level campaign that involves like, a lot of weird homebrew and a lot of like, you know, uh, going in between in person and like, you know, mixed online and stuff like that. Uh, so it allows a great degree of automation and complexity. Uh, so if you're ready to like dedicate some like real technical figure in and out, like, uh, you know, there's some pretty amazing things you can do uh, for that. But, uh, you know, watch some YouTube videos on it first. Uh, Renpy for visual novels. Uh, and then, you know, I got to give a shout out to Reddit. Our battle maps. Oh, I used to make all my maps. You know, I made some good ones. I don't make any maps as good as Reddit. You know, the people on our battle maps. Uh, the amount of my life that I have back from that, I think, like, probably I would have died by now if I was still making my own maps. So, yes. Uh, I'm trying to think. And then, of course, I should just thank my... Uh, my players, uh, Aurora, June, John, Daniel, Brad, Mason, uh, are six of the most amazing people ever. Uh, my original players, uh, Lonnie, Jackson, uh, David, Zach, Travis, Frank, 
uh, Josh, uh, you know, they're all my best friends in the world. And like they have made the, you know, it's like all of the zaniness uh, every time I've ever been mad at them or love them or everything like that. Like everything I know about them has like gone into this. Uh, and so that's the only reason I care like so much about talking about it is like it is entirely made up of like the most amazing people in the world. Uh, and that's before like I ever touch any of it. Uh, and so I love them all very much. That's absolutely beautiful. Jake, it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm literally so grateful. It was awesome. That's all for this week. Thanks, Jake, for taking the time to chat with us about your campaign. I've been Jake behind the mic. No relation. I'm production master Riley. No relation. And the melting ice cap is about to release an ancient kraken. Join us next week when we chat about a very fun micro game called Radical Cat Girl Anarchy. For more on the show, including links to all our social media, visit foldedfrequencies.com slash campaign spotlight. <laughs>